You're listening to the Food Freedom Life Podcast. My name is Brittany Allison, and I spent six plus years stuck in diet binge cycles, hating my body, and envying others who seem to have it all because I never felt enough. What I discovered in my journey to food freedom and becoming a registered dietitian is this. You can either live your life at war with your mind or learn to work in sync with it. So if you're ready to learn how to be in tune with yourself and evolve your life, welcome to the show. Today on the show, we have my past client, Ashley. Ashley is a business mentor and success coach for female coaches, healers, and creatives. Ashley is no stranger to personal development work, and while she spent the better part of five years healing her nervous system and emotional body, she realized she was finally ready to work on her relationship with her physical body and food. Two years later, she is now living that food freedom life and has never been more at peace with her body and food. So what's been new with you? Gosh, um, my business is great. My kid is starting kindergarten, which is really weird. Um, yeah, it's just insane. And I'm back in the gym, which is pretty cool. Like totally different mindset since our work together, which is Mm kind of cool. I'm excited to talk a little bit about that today. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm actually feeling like totally different about how I approach like my diet and my mindset around like eating food that feels nourishing. It's like, I'm really excited for this conversation because I think it's a good reflection Mm -hmm. around like how much I used to just like kill myself to make it, make things happen for my body and like Mm -hmm. how much it wasn't worth it. And so I'm really excited for today. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you as well. I love doing these client episodes. What you just said is what every single person that I talk to says too. It's like, oh, that was really nice to kind of look back. And I haven't thought about, you know, where I kind of started from in a really long time. So it was nice to reflect and it's it's a good thing to kind of look back. So why don't you share a little bit more about you kind of as just as a person, who you are, what's your personality like? What do you like to do? What's your life look like? Yeah, so... Let's see. Gosh, that's such such a good question. Who am I? <laughs> <laughs> um, so first and foremost, my name is Ashley Cruz, and I am a human who runs a business coaching company. I am a mom. I am a wife. I am somebody who just deeply desires to be and operate as my best self. Mm-hmm. And with that, my biggest passion in life is really (laughs) healing every possible piece of me that could potentially get in my way of being my best self of being the best mom that I can be and, um, operating like that. It's funny because I really truly believe that as I've gotten older, my biggest passion in life is being the very best that I can be as myself. And so I've spent a lot of time and energy and resources in that in particular. Um, but I love to travel. I love, you know, to try new wines. That's like a big thing. I'm not currently not drinking. I'm kind of experimenting with a little bit of that, like damp lifestyle slash sober lifestyle. I've always kind of done that in and out, but, um, Yeah. It's like, it's kind of interesting. So I'm just like exploring a lot of different facets of myself. And I feel like in some ways I could feel like, wow, you're really into yourself, but it's true. I am very into myself and I love that about me. Yeah. It's not a bad Um, thing at all. Yeah. 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 So I'm just like, that's, I think that's a little bit about who I am. And um, I'm just really passionate about, you know, teaching others. I want to be the 
example that I know that a lot of us need, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm really passionate about that. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I mean, that journey to becoming your best self, I feel like a lot of people listening can definitely relate to that. I feel like most people who kind of fall into needing intuitive eating and this food freedom journey in the first place are people who kind of have really high expectations for themselves and want to live their best life and want to be their best selves. And that's in a lot of ways, you know, why they fall into dieting in the first place is because they feel like that's the the necessary piece in order to get there. Do you feel like that was the case for you? 100%. Like I always felt like once I had the body that I desired, then I would figure out all these other things. And mm-hmm. through this journey that I've been on with my body in particular is that like, it's fundamentally not true, number one. And then number two, like when you stop focusing so much on your body and what you're eating constantly and like all of the energy that goes into that, like a whole new world opens up and you try new things. And it's like, you're not so focused on spending your energy in a place that may or may not actually give you the thing that you've always wanted. You could actually just go get the things that you wanted and go learn the things that you've always wanted to learn. The body has nothing to do with that and neither does what you put into your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not really about our body. It's almost sometimes these other limiting beliefs that we have for ourselves that are really big and really scary. And we sometimes I think put those onto our bodies and use our bodies as a scapegoat for this is why I can't do this thing when really it's fear of failure otherwise. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Could not agree with that more. And so what did the evolution of your food and body image struggles look like over the years from when you were younger? Yeah. Okay. So I have always, I think I've always been pretty active. Um, in high school, like I did cheerleading and things like that. I've always been involved in some kind of sport. My parents were pretty active when I was young and, you know, over like when I turned 18 is when I kind of got into like counting calories and macros because I started, like, I kind of been introduced to fitness in the way that I think most people in society have been introduced to it. You go to a group class and then you kind of like drink the Kool-Aid and then you're part of this community and like, so-and-so is tracking and she looks so amazing. And so like, at 18, I was being exposed to this in a way that I'd never had been before. And I started to really internalize like, oh, the way to getting everything that you want is to have this quote unquote perfect body and to eat this certain way. And I ended up losing like quite a bit of weight um, between the ages of like 18 to 22. And I mean, granted, my metabolism was like way higher at that point. And Um, you know, I get into my probably like mid twenties and I'm a curvaceous kind of gal. Um, I embrace these curves. I love them, but I think for a long time I didn't. And I'd noticed that, um, you know, as a fitness instructor, no one in my world had a body like me. A lot of people were very, um, more on the fitter side, the quote unquote skinny, if you will. Um, side. And I was more of that busty. I had hips, I had curves and I distinctly remember. And I think we talked about this in my sessions. Like there was this one moment that has replayed in my life for so long, which is another instructor had mentioned that I had fluctuated in my weight 
substantially over the time that she had known me. Like she was like, yeah, you kind of bounce back and forth and fluctuate a lot, don't you? And I like really took that to heart. And at that moment, it was kind of this defining moment of like, oh no, I don't want to be that person. That's bad. Like I internalized it as being bad. And between my mid twenties and mid thirties, I went on this binge restrict cycle of like, be really, really good. And then completely fall off and then be really, really good. And I think over time that had really taken a toll on my metabolism and then COVID hit and I gained 30 pounds and it was devastating for me because I had wrapped so much of my identity in my body. And like, I, in that moment of COVID, I was like, oh, like I'm exactly what she said that I fluctuate. And now I just have completely let myself go. Right. So I was like really beating myself up. And there was a moment where I was like, okay, you know what? I think I'm ready to just like get the weight off. Like I can do that. I've done this my entire life. I'm so good at losing weight. It's fine. And I ended up uh, hiring a coach who I, I think probably was super well-intentioned and also I was not in the place to be losing weight like that. It took a huge mental toll on me and basically left that program feeling super, super defeated. And really like, and that program had realized how devastating my relationship with food had really become, you know, working out multiple times a day and then restricting so much that like a normal calorie count didn't feel nourishing whatsoever for me. And it was at that moment where I was like, okay, I think there's probably something deeper that I need to address here. And so I went on like this, you know, search and found you and have since been, I I wouldn't say I've completely healed my relationship with food. I mean, I think it's always going to be a journey, of course, Mm -hmm. but I feel more at ease with food and movement than I ever have. And it has felt so good. So when we say the food freedom life, like that is fact, like that is actually what it feels like to me as I reflect. So, yeah, I love that so much. And I mean, as you said, it is a journey. Like there's not necessarily this one destination where you're just going to be there. And it's, you kind of get to this place where it does feel really good and you do feel free and things are better than they ever have been. But it is a continual journey that you kind of have to check in with yourself about every so often and revisit and tweak things a little bit because life changes, circumstances change all these different things evolve and we evolve as humans. And so all of the pieces that we know about ourselves and all of the tools that we have, they need to kind of move forward with us. And that isn't always super smooth. We need to kind of, you know, face hard things again from time to time. Yeah. And I mean, I think even just as you're saying that, like one of the things, which is a pattern, right? When you've been in like this cycle of viciousness with yourself and your body and food and movement all of your life all of your adult life there's a moment when you're doing this work that we've done together where you're like is it working yet and you're like looking for some indicator that it's actually working and I don't know that like in those moments I felt like it was working like I was like I'm still holding myself back in some way but then in some time after our sessions together, I realized like, oh, I'm, I'm making decisions completely differently than I ever have been before. Yeah. And that's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's hard because it's not as tangible as operating within the diet world. Right. And in that world, it's like, okay, did I hit my calories? Did I hit my macros? Is the number on the scale changing? Are my measurements changing? What does this before and after photo look like? Right. It's all these really, you know, objective measurement oriented things that we can use to say, okay, I'm doing well, or I'm not doing well. Whereas in this work, it's not as clear cut as that. There's not necessarily these boxes that we can just check off and say, yep. Okay. That means I'm doing well. It's a lot more subjective. It's a lot more feeling and internal work. And, and that can make it hard to kind of give that reassurance that like, yeah, I'm, I'm moving forward. Yeah. And I mean, for me personally, it's taken like quite a bit of time for me to really fully integrate all of the work that we did together. And I'm so grateful for that because I think it's always unfolded. And I believe this should be true about many things that I work on in the personal development space, but like, it just takes time for it to integrate. It takes time for those new beliefs and thoughts to actually feel super true to you. Mm -hmm. And especially when you're undoing something so deep like diet culture in your life. It's so deep. And so it, yeah, it, it, I mean, for some people it takes years to, and even still, even if it takes years, right, you get to this place and you still have to work on it. And that is kind of frustrating, but at the same time, it's, it's kind of a beautiful thing because, you know, you're taking that time to say, I'm doing this for me because this is in my value system. And this is what feels right for me. And I know that to be true. And so you prioritize it. Totally. Something that I heard you say was, you know, you had your identity really tied up in your body and in fitness and in food. How did you untangle that? What was that process like? Yeah, I will say, I think it was a super challenging process, um, but also really beautiful in the same way. But I think untangling it is literally just every day making the conscious decision to change how you're seeing your relationship to food and movement and to your body. I distinctly remember, you know, I was, I've been in a larger body for a couple years now. And, you know, I can distinctly remember day one of being in that bigger body where I like realized and I felt it. Mm. And like, you'd given me some practices and I've obviously like when in, in the journey that we've gone through together, there's a lot of reflection that happens mm-hmm. and it's sort of coming to terms with and accepting that this is the body that I have and that there's absolutely fundamentally nothing wrong with being in this body and coming into a place of like gratitude. I've had a baby my body has done incredible things. And so I think that that has been like a really big piece of my journey is like really giving myself credit for everything that I've accomplished. You know, I've done a lot of fitness things, like even just like lifting heavy weights and like my body wouldn't be able to do this, you know, like maybe 20 years ago, like it probably wouldn't have been able to do that. And because I've nourished myself, because I've allowed myself to like untangle my worth, like I'm doing new things. Right. And so it's like really what it comes down to is just consciously making an effort to choose something that feels more supportive every single day. Mm -hmm. Just being aware of like how quickly those crappy thoughts can like completely derail you. Right. So it's Mm -hmm. consciousness is a really big part of this. Well, was a really big part of it for me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And just 
starting to identify yourself as more than the fitness person, as more Mm -hmm. than the health person, right? That those might be things that you're passionate about, right? You might be passionate about fitness or health, but it's not all of who you are. You are not just your body and your body isn't your business card either. Right. Mm, I love that. Yeah, it is more than that. I mean, I think for me as an entrepreneur, I feel like I don't want to say it was easier for me, but there was kind of a something outside of my body that I was able to focus on as well that helped me not stay so ingrained in my identity with my body. But I mean, nonetheless, the work is still challenging. And like, even if there is something else to kind of think about and focus on, you still have to do the work. (laughs) So (laughs) you don't get off that easy, you know? Yeah. You can't just distract, distract, distract all the time. That's only going to work to a certain point. Yeah. I think that's like the part of it too, is like, I, I think when you go on this kind of journey, you have to feel ready to look at all of those shadows, right? The shadows Mm -hmm. of you know, how you've seen things and how they've sort of impacted you, right? You have to consciously make that decision that you don't want to be impacted that way mm. and redecide a million times. <laughs> yeah, totally. So how did you wrap your head around that idea that you might need to pause the focus on weight loss and actually look at those shadows and all of those deep, dark, scary parts? I mean, I think for me, it was like, I don't want to keep doing this cycle anymore. It didn't feel good. It felt really, it felt worse to stay that course than it felt to try and overcome it. And I mean, I think at that time too, like I was bombarded by a lot of my friends, you know, do the the same kind of cycle that we've, that I've been in, which is like, I'm losing weight for this and I'm doing, you know, doing it for this. And I honestly, I think one of the ways that I just started wrapping my head around it and accepting it was like, I started to verbalize my process. I shared publicly with my friends, like, here's where I'm at. This is what's supportive for me. And this is what's not supportive for me. And they were so great and so respectful of that. And like, my husband was really supportive as well. And I think that's probably how I started to build evidence that was actually safe to, to do this, to like, that people aren't going to love me any less because, you know, I'm doing things differently and I'm maybe gaining weight or maybe not. Like, it's not, it's not a trade-off. Like I don't lack love because I'm doing things differently than I have before. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it helped you start to see that your value is in much, much more than just your body and the people around you love you for all these other reasons. And you're, you're safe. Just like you said, to explore this new path and let your body do what it needed to do. Yeah, totally. And I think what I love so much about that is I've seen changes even in my immediate circle that have started to permeate how they do things, which is like kind of cool because it's like, oh, I might've shifted their thought on something. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think one of the biggest things is like, I wanted to enjoy my life. I don't want to be thinking about what I'm eating next or like if I can have the cookie or not. I want to enjoy my life and feel and be my version of healthy. And I'm not willing to continue in a cycle that wasn't going to support that. I like the way you said not willing. Yeah. You wouldn't stand for it anymore. Yeah. It wasn't 
how you wanted to support yourself. And yeah, so you went with what you thought would free you from that. And it did at the end of the day. It did. And how did being a an entrepreneur, a business owner kind of play into this food freedom process? Did, I mean, did disordered eating and body image ever play into kind of how you showed up for your business? It's funny that you say that because as we are talking now, like I'm currently going through a rebrand and I mean, first and foremost, there's so many parallels with entrepreneurship and body stuff that like, it's kind of uncanny. And I distinctly remember in many of our sessions, like, I'm like, oh, I can draw the line between my mindset around an entrepreneurial situation and this stuff that you're, you know, teaching me to step into. And so it was cool because at least I had that frame of reference, but then outside of that, you know, bringing my brand to the place where I feel confident regardless of what I look like has been such a beautiful journey. And I mean, I would say that like I show more of myself in my business than I ever have been before. My brand is more me than it ever has been before. I feel more free to express myself just as I am because of the work that we've done. I don't feel scared to be me. I'm not afraid people will leave my world. And I have so much evidence now of like, wow, like actually that attracts people more to me. And like the way that I have taken a stand in my brand, how I've shown up in my brand has brought me more clients that I love working with that do desire that same sort of freedom and how they feel and look at themselves which is so cool. Like it is something that I did not anticipate happening. I will say that, but it definitely has been a huge win that was completely unanticipated. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, it's true, right? You, you attract what you put out and when you put out yourself just authentically as you and show up as you are and show up unapologetically, you end up attracting those dream clients who want to do the same. Ah, love that. It's so cool. It's so, so, so cool. And like, it's like paving the path for others. And I think maybe that's another reason why I wanted to go on this journey is because I didn't see anyone at the time really honoring and owning this part. And I didn't feel safe to, to check that path because nobody had done it before me. And so like, you know, going into that journey, that's like kind of a a way that I get over some of my own fears of things Mm -hmm. is like, okay, well, if I'm going through this, it's probably likely that most people are going through that. Or there's some iteration of people that really need this kind of evidence that it's safe to do this. And as a business coach, as somebody who literally deals with people who have some of these same beliefs and like struggles, mm-hmm. it's like my whole job, my whole MO as a business coach is like, I'll go first. Right. So in the work that you did yourself, you paved the way. And yeah. I think that's so cool. And you needed to do that yourself first in order to be able to really do that for your clients as well. Yeah. So, hey, in, lo- in the long run, it sounds like food freedom really benefited your business. Yeah, 100%. Who would have thought? <laughs> Who would have thought? I mean, I kind of, yeah, it's not that I went into it believing that, but I was like, I know at some point this is going to, it's just going to speak dividends into multiple places in my life. I'm very confident of that. And that's usually how I make investments anyways. Like, oh, I feel like this is going to have a bigger impact than just like how I feel about myself. And usually I'm right. <laughs> yeah. 
And that's such a great point. And I don't know if I talk about this enough, but I mean, food freedom, it's not just about food in your body. It really does echo into all these different areas in your life. And especially as an entrepreneur, it echoes into there and how you show up in your business and how you show up in your relationships, just in your job, in your free time with your friends and your social relationships, in your hobbies. It it touches every single area of your life. It's not just feeling better about food and eating or feeling better about your body. It's just how you live your life and how you carry yourself and how you show up everywhere on a daily basis. Yeah. And it's really interesting too, because I feel like even in my marriage, I've been married for seven, almost eight years. I've been with my partner for 12 Mm -hmm. and I feel more confident now than I ever have been. And it didn't come from a body Mm -hmm. or it, it came from like me truly loving me as me and like seeing that he will love me as me, no matter what. And you know, our relationship is more intimate than ever before. Like we are very connected because I feel safe to just be me. And I'm not trying to like, what's the word? I'm I'm not trying to hide from my partner, mm. which is cool. I love that. And it just, it makes such a big difference. Mm-hmm. And so what were maybe some main pillars that you remember being really helpful in finding more food freedom? Mm, it's a really good question. I think what I would really say to that is the biggest thing was shame for me. Mm. The pillar of detaching myself worth from how much I ate, how much I, maybe how quickly I ate. Like there's this thing, oh, this is, this is actually a big one. So it's like those, those shamey things, but tied to that is something that we talked about where I used to call, like, we would go to McDonald's and I would do this thing called like a sneaky cheeseburger. It was like the way that I used to like sneak around and feel so much shame and guilt for like eating and wanting a McDonald's cheeseburger Mm -hmm. was kind of like rippy for me, like really hard for me to like admit and like come to terms with. And like, we jokingly laugh about sneaky cheeseburgers now because I've told my partner and he like understands that like, actually, we're just not going to use that term anymore unless it's like a joke or whatever. But it's like, yeah. I think the vernacular of how things have changed about how we talk about food, about the shame that I feel, the shame that I don't even allow myself to feel. Mm-hmm. And the way that I've really owned, yeah, I had two plates of food. Or yeah, that macaroni and cheese was delicious. I wanted a second helping and like making all of that okay. Mm -hmm. And what it's actually done is like taken charge away from foods that I normally would probably binge eat because it tasted so good. I'm like, I never worry about eating too much anymore. And I'm, I think that's like probably the second piece here is like eating to satiation. Mm -hmm. Right. Where I'm like, oh, this is so good. And I'm actually good. I don't want it more because I know that I could have more. It's like a bit of a mind fuck when you're like, okay, cool. I can actually have as much of this as I want. It doesn't mean anything about me. Suddenly you're like, okay, cool. Like I'm good. I'll have more macaroni and cheese tomorrow or later if I want. Yeah. That's such a great point because honestly, I mean, shame blocks the ability to be satisfied right? Shame removes satisfaction from the equation and you end up just 
eating until you're so full and that's your indicator to stop. Yep. Right. There's not really any room for satisfaction. You might enjoy the food you're eating. You might think it tastes good. Oh, this, you know, burger or this mac and cheese or whatever is really good, but you don't genuinely feel that deep sense of pleasure with eating because there's so much noise in the way and in your head that just prevents you from sinking into the pleasure of that eating experience and being mindful and being able to actually tap into your body and listen to when it says, Hey, we're good. We can stop and it's okay. Yeah. Something that that reminds me of is just the fact that like, it's okay to eat for pleasure right? Mm-hmm. Like I think in the diet world, you hear like, there's even shamey words about like, if you're, if you're overeating, it's, it means this, or if like, it's kind of, the words are kind of escaping me at this moment, but it's like, there's something wrong with you if you don't know how or when to stop. And mm-hmm. fundamentally that's not true because a lot of people do eat for pleasure. <laughs> like There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And so like giving myself permission to be able to eat for pleasure was kind of a new concept to me because, it, you know, in the past it was always like, Ooh, treat day, cheat yeah. day, treat day. We don't eat for pleasure in this place. Like you do not do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has to be reserved for this one super specific time. And like only then is it okay. Or it has to be sneaky and hidden from the world. True. Yeah. True. And there's only and so much sneaky pleasure. cheeseburgers. Yeah, the sneaky cheeseburgers. And there's only so much pleasure you can get from a sneaky cheeseburger, right? It's because you're still kind of hiding something and there's still that part of you that's not giving yourself permission to enjoy it. Yeah. And I know you mentioned earlier about exercise. How did exercise play into your healing process? And what was the evolution of that like over the course of it? Yeah, I mean, I think that I I mean, I've always been an avid movement workout person. Like I've done it all. I actually fundamentally love working out. It's just good for my body. It feels good to my body. But I noticed that I had, I had kind of resisted working out. I started to resent it when we started working together, like leading into our work together. It was like, okay, I'm noticing that like, I feel like I have to. Yeah. And for I think the majority of the time that we work together, I kind of gave myself permission to just not work out and to like maybe go on a walk if I felt like it. Mm-hmm. And that permission was really nice. Now I have, I have since gone back to like, I work out five days a week because I want to, like, I look forward to getting up to the gym to go to the gym. And also I don't kill my soul trying to do it. You know, mm-hmm. like I don't kill myself trying to get to the gym and like I do CrossFit is like my workout of choice. It makes me feel so strong. And like there are, you know, times where I'm at the gym and I can see that like people have been to the gym multiple times and like, wow, they're going so much more than me. And I'm like, it gives me the permission to be like, do I even want to go that many times a week? No, I actually don't. Four days is good. I don't need to go anymore or five days is good this week or like, Ooh, I like those workouts. I'm going to pick and choose those workouts. And it doesn't mean that I'm a bad CrossFitter because I chose not to go on the hard day. But I mean, I think movement too, for me, it has shifted a little bit and that I'm working more on my weaknesses and things that I want to get better at versus just going to go work out, you know, like, because I had to burn calories. Like I don't do that anymore. And it feels really empowering because I'm getting stronger. I'm getting more, I'm getting faster. And I, I, I laugh because I feel like I'm more mature in the way that I treat my body, especially because I think in the past lives, I would just 
work out until my body would give out. And like, now it's like, okay, I know my limits and pride will not stand in the way of me going heavier or running, trying to push myself faster than I feel ready and capable of doing in this moment. And that yeah. for me, cause I'm generally like a competitive person by nature, probably why I CrossFit, but like for me, it's like, oh, cool. Like I get permission to do it my own way. And like, I love showing up to these classes, but I'm also again, unwilling to do it if it costs me my sanity and my desire to want to show up consistently. Mm-hmm. I really like what you said about you're working on your weaknesses because I mean, there's just no room for that when you're always working out to burn calories, right? Because working on your weaknesses means going slow and starting you know, at the kind of beginner level and working your way up and having to stay in a place that, you know, might not ultimately be where you want to be. And it allows you to be bad at something, right. And (laughs) give yourself permission to be bad at something. And when you're only working out to, you know, burn calories or to change your body, right. You don't have the time or the space to start at the ground floor. You have to like go hard and do it all and do the hardest version of things. And, you know, like you said, work until exhaustion, you don't have room to actually say, okay, what am I not good at? What do I want to work on? And, you know, let's go slow with it and make it feel really good. Yeah. And I mean, that itself takes, it takes the charge out of being in the gym off, right? Like, cool. I'm, I'm here for a good workout and to move my body, but it isn't calorie focused, which means I actually want to show up because I want to show up and work on the things Yeah. versus like, oh, I have to be here for an hour. Like if, if I'm only there for 20 minutes, cool, that's fine too. <laughs> like, and again, like it's, I never anticipate, like, I didn't know, like, I knew that this was always going to be the middle ground, but I didn't realize that by not forcing myself to go, I would actually want to go more. And the same thing with food, that by not forcing myself to restrict, I would actually be okay not eating as much as I wanted to, or like not wanted to, but like, as I thought I should or whatever else, you know, like you just, it's not as much of a big deal. Yeah. And that's such a foreign concept for people too, right? Because they're so used to forcing themselves to do this or that when it comes to food or exercise and they don't trust themselves, right? Yeah. If I just back off, if I let myself be, then I will circle back and be able to approach these things in a totally different way, right? It feels like, okay, well, if I, if I'm not forcing it, I'm just all hell's going to break loose and I'm not going to do anything and I'm going to totally lose control. Would you say that you trust yourself now? 100%. And it's funny that you say that too, because I think that was one of my biggest fears going into our work together. I was like, oh gosh, I'm just going to let it all out. I'm going to never, <laughs> I'm never going to work out again. I'm going to like completely just like abandon. I, I didn't, I think part of it was like, I was afraid I was going to abandon this version of me who in many ways, like I still love deeply and still exists. It's just not from a calorie and a workout exercise place. She still exists. I just didn't know that she could exist in a different way. And I do trust myself so much more now because of that. And I can discern more clearly what's mine and what that old version of me where the overworking out and the restricting is coming into play. And I think, you know, that's probably the most powerful thing 
when it comes to self-trust is like, I can see it. I can know when it's happening versus before I'd be just afraid that like, I needed to be disciplined. If you want the body you want, you have to be disciplined. It's like, no, that's actually like so wrong on so many levels. And it plays into people's fear, which is another thing that like, is just, it's kind of devastating to see it now on the other side where I'm like, wow, I operated so much in fear all of my life because of preconceived notions that weren't even mine. Yeah. I mean, operating in fear, that's a really good way to put it, right? Everything is coming from that place of being scared of the outcome. Mm -hmm. And it does you such a disservice because it keeps you in this box that yes, is safe and is comfortable and is familiar, but it's not serving you. And it's not helping you feel the way you want to feel. It's not helping you live the way you want to live and be the person that you want to be. We have to start shifting the way that we look at things and unlearn most of what you know about food and bodies and yourself and challenge those limiting beliefs so that we can get to a place where you are defining the guidelines for yourself. I don't even want to say rules necessarily, but you can be in that place of freedom and trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I love your evolution of, of exercise. I think that's really wonderful and really beautiful and, you know, exactly what we aim for in this yeah. process. Yeah. And I think like, I would say that's one thing that I wish I would have realized at the time when I signed up for this, because I did have fear. I was like, oh, well, what if that person doesn't exist anymore? And it's like, oh no, she just evolved. And you don't have to be afraid that you're going to change because you might learn more about yourself. You know, for me, I, instead of eating to be like at a certain weight, I'm eating to fuel my workouts, which is like when people used to say that to me, I was like, you're full of shit. Like, I don't even know what that means. But now when I've taken the charge out of all of this food and this exercise and these reasons why I'm doing it, I am just naturally doing it. And I don't know that I ever, I don't know that you think about that in the beginning again, because it just, it goes back to Mm self-trust. Yeah. It all kind of boils down to that is you don't trust yourself and you learn to over time and the things fall into place according to your values and what's important to you. And it all just kind of works out the way it's meant to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so now, now that you're practicing intuitive eating and food freedom on your own, how do you check in with yourself and continue on your journey? What tools are really helpful for you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I still use the scale of like the level of satiation. So like you give yeah. that, like, especially with foods that are, you know, pretty have been activating in the past. I'm like, okay, well, like, where are we at here? Mm-hmm. And just checking in on that. Um, you know, I still, I think that's probably the biggest one. That's the biggest yeah. tool that I'm, I'm really, I really loved that exercise. <laughs> like yeah. I had the, I, you know, printed out the little, the little sheet and I put it on my fridge and I think it's still there actually. Nice. So that's probably my favorite one, but you know, for me, it's just really about giving myself permission to do exactly what I'm doing as I'm doing it and just checking in with myself over and over and over again. And I do this naturally with my business anyway. So it's been a little bit easier, I think, for me to just adopt it in this way too, um, because I've been practiced at it in other ways. But, um, you know, that's a lot of what this is. And like, you know, I'll be full transparency. Like I am really focused on my performance right now. And so I am like eating more nutrient dense food right now because that's serving my ultimate goals. 
and it feels good. Right. And so I think like, that's one thing that I would just offer to people is like, you can still have goals and practice intuitive eating. In fact, it makes you more, I don't know the word. I don't know. I feel like more confident in my decisions because I'm making them for me and my goals versus what somebody told me I should do. Totally. Yeah. That's a really good point, honestly. And I mean, like you absolutely can still have goals. We just need to you know, do all of the work first and unlearn all these things and really get to the point where genuinely everything is coming from you and there's like flow and flexibility within it. It's not rigid. It's not tied to morality. And you're not a good person if you do this or a bad person if you do that. It's truly for you. Yeah. For you. I mean, I think that's just such a beautiful like word or a couple of words. It is for you, for no one else. And when you're doing it for you, it's easier to show up for. It's easier to want to like do the things that you said you want to do because it's truly for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we kind of fool ourselves a little bit when we are really in that diet mentality of like, oh no, this totally. is it's like, no, 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 <laughs> it's not. It's you're, you know, you're operating out of scarcity and fear and somebody else's values or past traumas or whatever else it is. We have to kind of heal those parts for the most part and do that before we can move forward and actually figure out what you genuinely want and what makes sense for you. Yeah, hundred percent. And you'll always have the intuitive eating tool too. Like, I think that's the cool thing for me personally is like, there are some times where I'm a little bit more intuitive. And then sometimes where I'm like, you know what? I think I need to like dial in my protein a little bit. So I'm like looking at that and like, so it's like, you're using it as a way to guide you on your own journey, not necessarily to be a certain size. Yeah. Love that. What's one piece of advice that maybe you tell somebody who's struggling with their body image or relationship with food right now? You're not alone. I I really, I think when we are in the place where you're struggling and you're feeling lots of shame and you're like, you know, you're feeling alone with those emotions and with those feelings, it can feel like no one in the world understands how you feel or like what your experience is. And while your experience might be very unique to you, what you are dealing with is something that many of us have dealt with. And it's okay to seek support. It's okay to want community while you navigate the dismantling of all of these thoughts and beliefs and behaviors that for many of, for many, in many ways, haven't always been yours. And, you know, my, my biggest piece of advice is to just trust yourself in what you need and know that you're not alone and that there is a path out if you truly desire it. Amazing. Amazing advice. (laughs) Definitely not alone. This is something that a lot more people struggle with than talk about it. Yeah. And I think that's like one of the beautiful things about social media is like, we're seeing examples and evidence that's making it safer and safer for us to reach out. And there's programs like this, there's, you know, ways in which people are starting to handle this more publicly that feels, I don't know, it's like kind of like the lack of a better term is like more socially acceptable. It feels like there's, it's okay now to like share your struggles with food and like, I just find that that has helped me. It's like, oh, wow, like I'm not alone. And if I'm not alone, then I can overcome this, like, because there's more of me. 
Yeah. Yeah. It just helps you to feel more empowered to do something about it and to acknowledge that like, Hey, it's, you know, not abnormal. There's nothing wrong with me. This is something that other people deal with and I can improve it if I want to. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Is there anything else that you wanted to share before we wrap up? I don't think so. Um, I'm just really grateful to you and thank you for leading me on this journey. I mean, it's been such an incredible ride and I'm really, really grateful that I found you and that you've held me so powerfully. I think that's my thing that I would say is just gratitude related, which is like, I'm so grateful to have gone on this journey with you. It's changed my life in many ways. And, um, my hope is that, you know, people see and hear this story and resonate with some parts of it and find support in, you know, their own journey and their own paths. Because I mean, imagine a world where we as humans stopped focusing so much on how we looked, (laughs) like what could be accomplished, um, is incredible. And yeah. I think, especially in this time, you know, we need that. We need a, a different, um, we need, th- we need uh, trailblazers is what I would say. And so the energy could be used in such different ways. And so I'm grateful that mine is being used in such a different way and grateful to you. Yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, I'm so grateful for you too, that you chose to go on this journey with me and you put your trust in me while I taught you to trust yourself. I mean, I, love every single one of my clients. And it was just such an honor to work with you. And thank you for coming on to share your story. I think you are going to help so many people and give hope. And, you know, everybody says things a little bit differently. And I think that the way you shared your journey is going to really resonate with a lot of people. So thank you very much. Thank you. And I don't normally do this for client story episodes, but since you are a business owner, where can people find you if they want to keep following you? Yes. Oh my gosh. So my company is called Business Baddie. If you are interested right now, we are on social media, on Instagram, we're going through a rebrand, but you can find me at embracing the uncertain. Um, And if you, I think there's going to be a link probably in this uh, episode, but if you go to that website, you can find out all about the ways to work with me and to be in my energy. I'd love to meet you, even just connecting. Like if you have questions, reach out. If you have questions about intuitive eating or anything about my journey, I'm so happy to share. I am not a shy human. So please, (laughs) please come at me with any questions. I'd be happy to answer them. Awesome. Thank you so much. And for everybody listening, we will see you next week. Before we close out for the week, my group coaching program, Food Freedom University, is open once again for enrollment for our May 8th start date. This is a four-month virtual group coaching program to not only break you out of binge eating, compulsive eating, overeating, poor body image, and emotional eating patterns, but to also kickstart your food freedom journey and cultivate a healthful life with balance and ease with food and exercise. So if you're feeling alone in this struggle, if you really thrive hearing from others who are in the same place as you and want to form a community around healing and empowering yourself to break free from these destructive patterns for good, group coaching is for you. Again, we get started on May 8th, so it's very perfect timing to start off the spring, have a fresh start, and just be in a better place with food and body image going into the summer. Head over to brittanyallisonrd.com slash group hyphen coaching to learn more and book a free consult with me to see if it's a good fit and enroll. Again, that's brittanyallisonrd.com slash group hyphen coaching.